0: And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox.
1: Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we are just working our little fingers to the bone to give you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Got an exciting announcement for folks who are in the greater Cincinnati area. And by in the greater Cincinnati area, I mean, if you're anywhere within two hours drive of this place. This is, uh, an event you are probably going to, want to attend if you are at all serious about building your real estate investing network. And that is that the real estate investors association of greater Cincinnati is holding its very first all day real estate investing expo on May the 12th. There will be over 14 mini lectures on topics ranging from how to find the right contractors to how to, uh, avoid missing tax deductions to, uh, How to Live a Tax-Free Lifestyle, and it features Mr. Landlord, who's a a common guest on this show. Actually, he is George Zahn's favorite guest that we ever have on Real Life Real Estate Investing. And uh, in addition to that, you get to meet with 70 vendors who have products and services for your business and over 400 Real Life Real Estate investors from all over the area. And the good news is it's free. Everybody attends at no cost. You can get more information from the Nonprofit Real Estate Investors Association at com. That's cincinnatirea.com. Again, that date is May the 12th and it is an all day event. So, uh, don't have to stay all day, but you better take a look at the schedule at cincinnatirea.com to p- decide which, uh, lectures you want to attend, spend some time with vendors, and uh, plan accordingly. CincinnatiREA.com, and don't forget to RSVP, and let us know that you will be there. RIA has its first meeting for the month of May tomorrow. That's Thursday night. Uh, the early meeting is with Alt- Art Dahlberg, who is the director of the Cincinnati Building and Inspections Department. So if you've ever had a question that you would like to ask of the Cincinnati Building Department, tomorrow is your big chance at 6 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, at 7.30, today's guest, Derek Christian, will be talking about the inside secrets of hiring contractors in a labor-tight market. Uh, That meeting is open to the public. You can download a guest pass at cincinnatiria.com, or of course, if you are a member, RSVP there. Dinner free is at 530. Uh, Early meeting starts at 6. Main meeting starts at 730. Uh, One of the biggest challenges in the real estate market today is the sudden, it seems, dearth of quality, affordable rehabbers and contractors. I, I don't know one single renovator who is not constantly searching for new folks. I don't know any landlords who do turnovers on their buildings that aren't having problems finding these folks. And I thought it was time on the show to maybe deal with this issue because it, it, it everybody's aware of it. And yet I hear Very little discussion about it. So joining me today to help us through this process is Derek Christian, who is the owner of Handyman Connection in Blue Ash. He manages 25 contractors and subcontractors who both work on his own real estate investing business and, of course, for other investors and homeowners as well. Uh, he quit corporate America to become a serial entrepreneur and uh, is now also the treasurer of RIA of Greater Cincinnati. Uh, he's joining us from his home, uh, Derek. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate. It's fantastic! Excited to be here, and I am excited to have you because you are much much more into the renovation side of the business than I am, and you you not only have chosen to do that for your real estate career. You're buying and fixing up and selling and sometimes keeping houses, but you also chose to do it for other people, which is uh, very brave of you, especially in the market right now. Uh, I I gather that you have also experienced this lack of, of people jumping out of the woodwork looking to do this sort of work?
2: Oh, without a doubt. I mean, Our biggest challenge is constantly just trying to recruit enough skilled craftsmen who will do a good job, will show up on time, will quote well, and will represent our company well because uh, we don't just work for real estate investors. We work for homeowners, large and small, um, everything from uh, apartments to multi-million dollar houses. So we've got to have guys that really do a great job on the work, look good, can quote the jobs. And so not only are we looking for craftsmen, but I'm trying to find the best of the best that you can send in who speak well, look good, and can do a good job.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Why has it gone from why is the market gone from contractors calling me looking to get work 5 years ago to me calling people that I've been using for years and having them tell me that they can get to me in 6 or 8 weeks to do a bid?
2: yeah it all goes back to our friend the recession a few years ago. You know, construction was booming, a lot of people got into it, and uh, we had a lot of people involved in the industry. But then when it all came to a sudden stop, not only did it come to a sudden stop, but a lot of people lost a lot of money. a lot of, A lot of investors lost money, whether or not that's large retail inve- uh, large uh, investors in big retail developments or small investors and they didn't necessarily pay their bills so a lot of people got really burned on that and left the industry altogether and it probably went three years where it was a hard time to find a work so a lot of people left the industry and at the same time homeowners um, stopped investing in their houses so we had sort of a perfect storm of people were defraying repairs and work on their homes people weren't building new homes Basically, everything came to a complete stop, which built up this pent-up demand. And meanwhile, whole sections of the industry basically just left it um, because they couldn't get work. They were left with bills they couldn't pay. I mean, if you go back and look in 2009, 2010, there's just reams of lawsuits of contractors trying to get paid. And those guys left the industry and never came back. And so now things are booming, and there's not enough guys to do the work. There's really not a good trade school program in the United States to train new people. And it varies by state, but in some states, even some of the licensing laws make it very tricky. Um, To be a plumber, you have to be an apprentice for five years. You know, I can get a college degree and a nice corporate job in a lot quicker than five years, you know, so uh, that makes it very difficult in some of these fields.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned about the trade school system, because one of the things that I've noticed in the last few years in dealing with contractors is that, we're going to have another problem because a lot of them are about to age out. I'm not seeing a ton of 20- and 30-year-old contractors. I'm seeing a lot in their 50s, 60s that if they're not going to be replaced by younger kids moving into that business, this is not going to get better.
2: Yeah, I mean, Handyman Connection, the company I'm involved in, is a nationwide company. I own the office here in Cincinnati. But nationwide, they're very difficult to recruit, and one of the groups we target most, because it's the only one of the few places we can get reliable craftsmen, is retirees, guys that used to be home builders that are retired that want to work 20, 30 hours as a retirement gig. That's some offices have built their whole workforce on those guys. And yeah, they're going away soon. So if anything, this is going to get even worse. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, very good. Uh, we need to take a quick break. And I really, really, really want to encourage you listeners, if you have any questions about hiring contractors, paying contractors, controlling contractors, contractor stories, this is the day to ask them because Derek has an unusual combination of uh experience as a real estate investor, just like you, but also the perspective of somebody who does work for real estate investors. So if you want to get an honest answer to your tough question, give us a call 877-772-9658. Again, 877-772-9658. Or you can also send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host Vina Jones Cox. My guest today is Derek Christian from Handyman Connection Blue Ash and he's also he's got like both ends of this. He's he he, he works with you difficult to work with real estate investors and also is one himself. So he's he's here today to kind of answer questions about the best ways to continue to get and find contractors even though it is a very tight labor market in regards to that particular kind of worker. And Derek, I think one of the big problems we're seeing out of that is more and more, let's call them, uh, desperate employers who are doing things to get to get rehabbers to agree to come and do their job. They're doing things they shouldn't be doing like. Sending them all the money up front, for instance.
2: Yeah, that's uh, never going to end very well for you. And it's not necessarily, you know, I, I talk to these guys every day. You know, I have a little bit different view. A lot of people talk about how all are, all contractors are crooks. Um, most of them aren't. Most of them are just really, really bad personal finance managers. The best way I can explain it to investors is these guys are your tenants, Okay. Um, These are the same people that don't think a bill is due until they get a three-day notice. They don't pay their phone bill until it gets turned off. Um, They're constantly short on money, and they're just really bad planners. So even if they have the best intentions in the world, if you give them a big slug of money up front, they're going to pay the phone bill, they're going to pay the mortgage, they're going to pay a lot of other things and figure that, hey, they're going to get the money for your materials in a couple weeks. They mean to get it done, but it's just not going to get done. They're in general i'm using generalities here but i work with a lot of these guys they're in general horrible financial planners so even the guys who aren't crooks who have every honest intention of doing your job once they get that check man they got bills they got to pay they got stuff they got to do you know they're planning on maybe they're going to get some money next week to pay, to finish your job it's just not going to happen
1: they're going to get the money from the next job to finish your job <laughs>
2: Right. And, you know, even the guys who are honest, I mean, I see it happen with their paycheck all the time where I'll pay them on Friday and on Monday they're coming to me asking for gas money. I'm like, dude, I gave you a check on Friday. How do you not have money today? Um, they're just horrible financial planners. I mean, I cannot overstate it. And all of the discussions that you have about how to manage tenants and how to deal with that, just realize this is the same person that's your contractor. It's the same class of employee that's probably renting from you, and when you put that filter on and think of it that way, I think it makes it a lot easier for people to understand them.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm So, let's talk about what, the the right way to handle these folks once you have found one. So, like, like, like in you are standing in the position that most investors would be standing in if they hired subcontractors to do their work instead of hiring a general contractor like your company. Best practices in terms of a contractor who says, I'll start on your job, but I need 30% down right now.
2: Um, We will not give any money down for labor ever um labor is only ever paid upon completion of certain benchmarks and we normally design it with the idea that they're going to get paid once a week but if they miss it's not an automatic payment so we will have a discussion of my expectation would be on friday you're going to have this stuff done and when you do i'm going to give you a check for this the only upfront expenses that i'm willing to give to somebody is physically the cost of materials um and even then they They use my account at Home Depot so that I can make sure it was actually purchased and see the receipt. So even if they're paying for it, they're doing it under my sub-account, and that gets a little geeky. So, um, But that way I can actually see what's happening. Okay, you you said you needed $600. Here's the receipt. I see what you got. I mean, for those of you that aren't in the business, you could just have the contractor give you the receipt. But the idea is I'm verifying that if I gave you $600 for materials, you bought $600 worth of materials, and it looks like stuff that makes sense for my job.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. What about the guys who do disappear halfway through the job? That's I mean, I, I hear that story so often that it, it would lead you to believe that all contractors do that. As you say, as you say, they don't because you only hear the story about the bad ones. But so many of them get a certain amount, sort of amount of the way into the job and then they go away and the, like they go dark. You can't you can't call them. You can't get in touch with them first question is, why do you think that happens? And second question is, what, what should the rehabber who's in the middle of a job do about that?
2: Oh, man, there are so many different reasons why it happens. We could probably talk about that for the rest of the hour. But um, probably the biggest reason why it happened
1: is they messed
2: up, that I see is they messed up the bid. Um, if you're getting multiple bids and one guy is way cheaper than everyone else and you go with that bid, he made a mistake probably. Um, he didn't realize something, some massive error was made when he was doing his calculation, and once he realizes he made that mistake and he's going to lose money on this deal, um, if he's a good person who is comfortable with conflict and is comfortable speaking up, they're going to come to you for a change order and admit they made a mistake. But once again, these are the same guys that are your tenants that instead of calling in you and working out a payment plan just dodge you, they hate conflict. So their solution is, oh, my God, I messed up this bid. I never want to talk to this person again. (laughs) So part of my advice would be if something just seems too good to be true, you know, at at re-events and things like that, sometimes we talk about benchmarks of what things should cost. If you're getting something that's way off that, they've made a mistake. And once they realize they made a mistake and they're – potentially going to lose money on this deal. I mean, there's been jobs where, as we got into it, we realized we misbid it so badly that not only are we going to be out labor, but we're going to be out materials. They disappear because they're not willing to do it. So that's probably the most common one I see, is if you think you're getting a deal that's too good to be true, they made a mistake, and they, they're they just not comfortable telling you that.
1: So what what looks like a fantastic deal, I mean, because most, most rehabbers who are renovating houses for resale for a profit really should know approximately what a roof should cost. They don't, they don't honestly if you can't if you can't kind of say this is what a kitchen costs and this is what a furnace costs and this is what central air costs and this is what a roof costs, you may not be ready to be in the flipping business. And it sounds like what you're saying is if somebody, if somebody comes along and you take their bid because it's so low and you're like, woohoo, I just got a great deal here, it's likely to turn bad. Probably. And the other
2: mistake you can make is what we just said, paying up front. Um, that's where you're going to get your scam artists, because there are scam artists in this industry. I'm not going to lie about it. There is in every industry, you know, who are going to demand money up front and disappear. That's where you get the good intention person who takes a bunch of money, spends it on their rent, and is then embarrassed to tell you they did it. Um, so what we just talked about, about paying up front is one of the causes of it. Mm -hmm. Um, another cause which can happen is, you know, the only way we don't make money if we're not working. So not only do we need to have your job lined up, but I need a job lined up the day after your job is done. And if your job starts to fall behind for a reason, I've now got a problem because if I'm expecting to be done on Friday and be working on another job on Monday, Uh, that can get really hairy. And so what a lot of these guys will do is try to start doing the new job and squeeze your job in in the spare time, and that's where maybe they're reliable for a week or two, and then suddenly they start only showing up for a couple hours a day. Uh, What they're doing is they're doing another job and trying to squeeze yours in. And there's some things you can do to help with that. You know, uh, as a real estate investor, if you're providing materials or you have other contractors in there, It's really important you to keep things on schedule because if you push somebody off by a couple of days, he probably has something scheduled behind you, and you're now causing cascading problems for that person. So that's another reason why they disappear is the project gets behind, either on their fault or a lot of times it is the project manager's fault, whether that's you as the investor or if you've got a general contractor or the contractor before him. It doesn't matter why. But if I've got you scheduled five days this week and another guy five days next week, when I get three days behind, we've got a problem. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the result of this, though, is that a lot of our colleagues end up feeling held hostage by the contractor who did three quarters of the job, has disappeared, is coming back, you know, evenings and weekends to try and finish it up. But now that's putting the whole job behind which adds uh, the holding costs add up what would you recommend to somebody who said well this is what is happening to me like what would the course of action be honestly
2: it just requires a difficult conversation of pulling them in and explaining what they're doing to you and that you potentially okay i got to back up a little bit once again these guys often are very short sighted mentality and sometimes they'll burn themselves for the long run um Yes, you're worth multiple contracts to them, but they can't pay their phone bill. So if they do that $300 one-day job tomorrow, they can get $300 and pay their phone bill. They can tend to be really short-sighted. So sometimes you just have to call them and confront it on them and go, hey, do you not realize what you're doing here? You're blowing me off, the guy who brings you recurring, regular business, and in return for some other thing that's going to be a quick one-time hit. This is, this is a big mistake for you, and you need to fix it. How are we going to fix it? Um, Because remember, they're trying to avoid a difficult conversation. So if you force them to have it and just force them to be an adult, you know, someone in the situation has to be smarter and be the adult and call out what's happening. Hey, I know what's happening. You've got another job book behind me. We got behind and it's causing a problem. How do we fix this? How are we going to get back on schedule? Can you push their job back two days? Can we agree that you're going to be here all day Saturday from this time to this time? Um, can we agree that if you don't finish by a certain day, there's a penalty? There's a lot of different approaches you can take, but you've just got to be willing to have that conversation. And once again, I always go back to what it's like to manage tenants. You know, you've got to be able to have the difficult conversations of, wow, it, it really sucks that, you know, all this bad stuff's happening in your life. Tuesday still means Tuesday.
1: hmm. At what point do you decide to just pull the plug?
2: Um, if that's not working, uh, you know, that's why you pay upon completion date. And if it's not fixed within a couple of days to a week, you just need to pull the plug and go with someone else. And hopefully you've been making progress payments as we discussed, and you've paid for 75% of the work and 75 or more percent of the work is done. And while it may be painful to find another contractor, if they get to that point where they're stringing you on like that and they can't fix it, you just need to stop, um, especially i always explain this to people the first time somebody does a job for you is the best they're ever going to be <laughs> so if your first experience is bad it is only going to get worse
1: good advice good advice we need to take another quick break you guys are you guys are getting that derek knows his stuff and that if you've got a if you've got a especially an ongoing issue in your life as somebody who is needing to hire contractors and is either unable to do it or is having continual problems with it, he might be able to help you with that. But you have to give us a call, 877-772-9658. If not, send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to (laughs) Real Life Real Estate Investing, where after 22 years, we're going to get it right at some point. Yes, it's that button. (laughs) Uh, My guest today is Derek Christian, who, by the way, is also the featured keynote speaker at tomorrow night's Cincinnati RIA meeting. He's going to talk about inside secrets of actually finding people to hire yourself. And he's got he's got some good ones, some of which involve maybe taking a look at your standards a little bit. And uh, you can attend that meeting, download a free first time guest pass or RSVP at dot We're talking today about just sort of the contractor shortage and how he's dealing with it and how you might want to deal with it because man there's a lot of money to be made in fixing and flipping properties right now it is crazy i i I consistently see even a market like cincinnati which is not the hottest market in the united states properties in a in a sort of bread and butter to move up price range so say like 150 to 250 that if they're completely rehabbed, they go on the market, they sell in one day for the highest sale price that that neighborhood has seen up until now. So it is a thing worth doing to figure out how to, how to, um, you know, get these contractors and get them showing up and staying on the job until the job is finished. And that doesn't even count all of us who don't do full on rehabs, but just need someone to replace the roof on the rental when it starts leaking. Um, Derek, I have a question here from LaRue from Atlanta. She says, you know, I did everything that Derek is talking about on my last rehab. I still had the contractor leave when the job was about 80% done. I had not paid him for the full job, and he put liens against my property trying to force me to pay him for work that he did not do. Can you please address this issue?
2: Sure. I mean, if you've got an agreement up front of benchmarks of when things get paid, um, liens, at least in the state where I operate, are relatively to get easily to get removed uh, just by going down uh, to the courthouse and addressing it at the time. I mean, it's uh, a pretty simple process. You go in, because I've had people put liens on properties I own as an investor, and it, you just go down, show them at the courthouse. Sometimes there's a hearing. A lot of times I haven't even had to do a hearing here in Ohio. I don't know the law in every state. Um, and it's been pretty easy to make go away. Normally, unfortunately, uh, I, I haven't had that much experience with you. you. Probably have a little more on that one, Vina. Uh,
1: uh, actually, i the only time I've ever had a contractor file a lien against my property. It was after he did work on the orders of my tenant. Ah, my tenant called him and got a roof put on my house, and then, of course, didn't pay and and had no permission to me for me to. Asked for that work to be done. And yet the contractor still filed a lien, which was, which was my first lesson in the fact that contractors don't have to go to court and prove that they even did any work. The lien is automatic. They can just walk in and say, here, I did this work and it never, it never got paid for and the court will take it.
2: Yeah, it can be placed automatically. Now, in Ohio, there's pretty strict limitations. I believe you can only put a lien in uh, 30 days after the loan. It's been a while since I've had to do one, fortunately, or not the loan, after the work is completed. So uh, here in Ohio, once again, I don't know the laws in every state, but we've only got 30 days to put a lien on. So one of the things you can do is simply challenge when the work was completed versus when the lien was put on because very few contractors act that quickly. And just as easy it is to put it on, it's relatively easy to get it removed. And then if the contractor challenges it, then you end up in a a court setting. But, yeah, the lien can be placed automatically. You can get it removed by challenging it, and then you're going to end up in a hearing if they want to try to reinforce it.
1: Let's talk about something that you you sort of – you said it, but then you kept going, and it's so, so important. You said if you have an agreement up front about milestones –
2: Exactly. You should always have a written agreement. Um, You know, it needs to say, when this is completed, you will be paid this. When this is completed, you will be paid that. And you should always have a very clear written scope of work. Um, I've had this problem even doing work um, for people that are friends of mine um, where things have gone wrong just because we weren't super clear up front what everyone was doing. Um, and so even between friends, a really clear scope of work is clear is really important just to make sure because remodels are really dangerous. Um, I am describing something that doesn't exist. you're describing something that doesn't exist and we're hoping when I'm done I built what you were expecting <laughs> um, and so that's that's a somewhat dangerous thing. you know repairs are easier. my toilet isn't working you come here it works when I leave. It, it's very cut and dry but remodels and rehabs are very tricky because even with the three, mo- the, you know three-dimensional modeling software, uh, but the picture of what your kitchen is going to look like isn't always exactly what you expect it to be. So that's where a really clear scope of work needs to be set up ahead of time, and that way, because you know, change orders to somewhat are inevitable in construction. When you open walls, you're going to run into stuff. So a scope of work of what's included and what, what's excluded is going to avoid a lot of problems down the road. And if a lien is placed on the property to challenge it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I assume that if you have to uh, replace a contractor mid-job, it's a good idea to get some physical evidence of where the job was left in case you do end up in court later and that contractor says, what are you talking about? She's got a great kitchen and he didn't do it.
2: (laughs) Take some pictures of the work, ideally an affidavit from the new contractor of what he did and where he picked up on the work. Um I, I saw you actually post on Facebook on this one um, that's 100% true, even in my own company. I don't think I've ever seen a contractor come behind a previous contractor and think they did a good job. Everyone thinks they have to redo everything the previous guy did. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be too much of a problem to have the new contractor document what was done or not done by a previous one.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Very good. Uh, let me again invite you listeners to give us a call or send an email with any questions you have about dealing with contractors at 877-772-9658 or at askvena at gmail.com. I have a question here from Josie, who is from Northern Kentucky. Josie says, I'm just now getting into the fix and flip game. My problem is because I have very little experience in rehab myself, I expect the contractors to know what kind of work needs to be done to my house. How much input do you think I should have to have in the ongoing rehab? Thanks.
2: Um, you've got to be able to know what's got to be done. In fact, I'm kind of I'm kind of fun. People make fun of me because I own obviously a contracting company. Yet I'm not allowed to use power tools because I do things like cut the power main and injure myself. <laughs> um, so that doesn't mean you have to be handy and physically able to do the work yourself. But you should be able to look at it and know what needs to be done, what quality work looks like, um, and what quality work doesn't look like. Like for example. I can tell by looking at the first coat of drywall mud whether or not a guy knows what he's doing or not um, and very quickly see whether or not there's a problem. Now, can I do it any better than anyone else? No, but I can look at it and know what looks good and what looks bad. One mistake that I see get, happens a lot is people will hire somebody who works at a larger company like mine or even some of the larger, well-known plumbing and electrical companies and go, well, he's got to be a good guy. Look, he works for this company. And they'll say something to you like, hey, you know, uh, Derek's going to charge you X amount an hour, but he only pays me, you know, 25% of that. I'll work for you for that rate. you got to be real careful with that, though, because there's a reason why there's a delta between there. Believe it or not, I am not making 50 to 60% on my guys. Um, What happens is, for every one of my contractor, about every 10 contractors, I've got somebody in the office who manages the materials to make sure they show up on time. I've got somebody who calls and makes sure they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be. Um, somebody who, you know, they have to shoot us pictures of their projects every day and reviews it and make sure it looks good. If you're going to hire one of those guys who works for one of those companies and pay them that rate, realize that you need to take over that role. And if you're not doing that role, things are going to start to go bad. Because even in the big established companies, um, even the guys who are really skilled, they need management. And, you know, if you're going to try to do it without the management, it's going to end badly. Mm
1: -hmm. And Josie, I would say that if you don't know what it is you want these folks to do, you may not be ready to get into the flip game. Because that's just not how it works. (laughs) How how it works is... You have the vision, you create the detailed, here's what I want, here's here's the material level of materials I want you to use, here's when the electrician needs to come in and the plumber needs to come in, and then the drywall guy needs to come in after that. That's that's really all on you. And it sounds like you might need some formal training, not in how to hang drywall. But in the order in which these things are supposed to happen and what the outcome is supposed to be, um, I think HG- thgTV right. has done the world a little bit of a disservice in showing uh, showing people who seem vaguely incompetent. You know, they <laughs> the the folks on those reality shows sit there and argue with each other about should we make the cabinets white or should we make them purple and every once in a while the one arguing for them to be purple wins because that's more dramatic when the house won't sell and that's that's really not how professional flippers operate
2: yeah and you've got to know the appropriate finishes for the neighborhood you've got to know all that kind of stuff i i you know i'm doing some work for a client right now which just breaks my heart because it's on a historic street it's got a horse hitch in front of it it's a put Brick Praver Street, and they're paying me to gut the house and put in you know new baseboards and new six-panel doors, and I'm like, oh, my God, you're ruining this house. <laughs> so not only is it important that you understand the project, but you've also got to understand the neighborhood, what the buyers in that neighborhood look for, what the appropriate finishes are for that level of house, because I'll be happy to sell you the most intricate, expensive tile work known to man because I can charge you more for it, but there's neighborhoods where you're never going to get that money back
1: mm-hmm so yeah uh I'm not trying to discourage you from being in this business josie but seriously uh it might be it might be time to take like a boot camp about the topic before you spend a bunch of money uh on work that doesn't get finished or work that gets finished but it's not right for the neighborhood and you can't sell the house and I mean there's there's a lot of moving parts to fixing and flipping houses and uh it's the one it's the one area where I tell people you cannot learn that on the street you just you just can't you have to pay both in time and money to learn what you're doing with that but I do appreciate your question and uh, if anybody else has questions, askvina at gmail.com is our email address. You can also give us a call here in the last 10 minutes of the show at 877-772-9658. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I know I'm not supposed to like be doing other stuff while I'm interviewing my guests, but I was just looking at the um, speaking schedule the topic schedule for the big real estate investing expo that's coming up here in town on the twelfth and uh, they've been the the office has been adding to it because we've got a topic called how to get all the money you will ever need to find to buy all the properties you'll ever want and two different ones on how to get appropriate. Uh, insurance for your property, which is, uh, that's a good topic, because most landlords I know are not carrying the right insurance. They're carrying too much, or they're carrying completely the wrong stuff. And uh, we've got two different two different folks speaking about uh, doing investments tax-free in your IRA. And um, there's a topic here called when to lock out lawsuits. I'm not sure what that means, but I I don't know. I want to lock out lawsuits. So uh, it looks like a, a really shaping up to be a good event, and you should uh, go look at the schedule at cincinnatirea.com, and you can RSVP no charge. It's like the best deal of the year. Uh, talking today to Derek Christian from Handyman Connection, who uh, is trying to trying to help us to not not become motivated employers of contractors not make dumb mistakes be able to uh unwind the inevitable things that do happen when contractors disappear or i actually had one Derek, one, the last major rehab i did uh my contractor started the job got no more than 20 percent into it and then was in a huge car accident and wasn't like the guy literally didn't get out of bed for half a year after that, and it, it, it's bad, you know, when, when when anything happens that interrupts your rehab and sends you scrambling to try and replace the person that you'd already picked and talked to and worked out all the details with and signed the contracts with, uh, but it is, I mean, inevitably, if you do enough rehabs, that is, a, that is absolutely going to happen to you. Probably more than once. <laughs> Probably more than once. Uh, so, you talked some about um, paying contractors on a schedule, like right? Like you've done this much work and now you get paid. Uh, we've had some other guests on the show over the years who have said that they actually prefer to stay a little bit behind their contractors. So if, if it's a, it's a $30,000 job, when it's one third done, they want the contractor paid like 9000 not 10000 Do you do things the same way?
2: Yeah, we traditionally do as well um, That, you know We pay just a little behind And there's a couple reasons for that You know, there's things that can get hidden uh, You know, that the bathroom looks mostly done But later on, upon closer inspection You miss something Um, It seems I I always keep like the last $3,000 on a big project Just because there's almost always An inevitable little punch list at the end So, you know all the big things are done, but then when you go back through, there's the scuff marks and the you know things that, the baseboard that got dinged up, and keeping that last little bit for those type of things makes all the difference in the world of actually getting it done. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Now let's let's try let's try and uh, take off your investor hat and put on your general contractor hat for a minute. I bet there's another side to this story that has to do with investors who make themselves hard to work for
2: oh definitely i mean we mentioned some of it already you know there's lots of investors who demand that they buy the materials because they think that they will get it less expensive and that completely can blow up our production planning you know, if you're going to get the tile, get the bullnose tile that goes with it to finish it. You know, if I show up to with my tile guy who I pay a pretty good hourly rate and you don't have all the tile on site, you just cost me a whole lot of money and you're probably not going to be someone I ever want to work for again. Um, you've got to have the project management skills, like you said, to know what needs to be done before I get there and make sure that it's done. And if not, give me a couple of days' notice so I can fill that void in my schedule with something else. The thing that is probably the most frustrating for us is last-minute cancellations, because if we're not working, we're not generating money. You know, if I'm planning on, I need $5,000 at the end of this week to pay my guys, and you cancel on me the morning of, you've caused a pretty big disruption to my business. And just to put it into perspective, about 10 to 15% of our jobs get canceled within 24 hours of the job.
1: Whoa!
2: Yep. It's something we actually track in our software and we call it fallout and about 10 to 15% of our jobs get canceled after the contract is signed after we're planning on showing up sometimes they'll book with us and then find a cheaper contractor and go with them sometimes they change their mind we don't always get an explanation but that's just normal for us and if you do that to us we're not going to want to work with you again
1: that's a i had no idea that is a big number and i i i would certainly i mean if i if i canceled on a contractor a day before, I would expect to, I I wouldn't, I would be embarrassed to ever pick up the phone and call that person ever again. Um, do you have problems with uh, folks who still think that they can get work done at 2010 prices today?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that you need to realize. And, you know, as most people know, Cincinnati is not a terribly, uh, High income market, and I charge most of my guys retail rate, a hundred dollars an hour, and my more skilled guys, plumbers and electricians, at one hundred and twenty-five an hour, and I'm booking them four to six weeks out at those type of rates. Hmm. So, and there's huge demand even at those higher, higher rates. So if you're trying to find something less than that, realize what you're up against is there's just huge demand and shortages. Um, you know, there's things that can make you valuable to us. That being said you need to pay on time you need to repeatable work is really important when it comes to you know my my business where I charge a high hourly rate I also spend about 10% of my money on marketing so recurring customers are valuable to me and I can offer a discount because I don't have to spend 10% of my revenue to get the next one Um, another good thing is good project management skills like I said I would rather work for somebody that knows what they're doing and can charge you a lesser rate then the rate I just gave you is what I charge, you know, Susie, homeowner. Part of the reason why is because they're the ones who we show up and they don't have the right stuff. We get there and they bought a van and it doesn't fit, you know, and we have to go back and do it again and again. If I'm working with an investor and I'm giving them a discount rate, I'm not expecting to run into that stuff. I'm expecting you to have the right stuff, and I'm also expecting you to understand terminology. You know, when I write a quote that says we're doing rough and plumbing, You need to understand what rough and plumbing includes and does not include. Mm Hmm. Mm
1: Hmm. Now you shared some. uh, You shared another number with me before we went on the air that really sort of floored me, which was how many people you sort of went through last year in order to uh, hire a much smaller number of people. Can you Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, I'll give
2: you the two extremes. First, um, we had 4,165 people apply to work for us last year. I hired 23.
1: Is it really that bad?
2: It, it's, it's, it's really that bad. Um, now, the good news is it's not as radical as it sounds. I don't know if, well, I guess it could be. Three quarters of those we screened out without even calling them. Um, just looking at the resume, we asked some basic screening questions. Do you own a vehicle? Um, And if it's no, you can't work for us. You probably can't work for anyone. I don't know why you're applying. Um, And there's some basic screening questions we use, and three-quarters of them don't even meet that. Do you have any experience in this trade? I don't know what it is about forklift drivers, but it seems like 90% of my unskilled, qualified applicants are forklift drivers. Hmm. I I get tons of guys who work in warehouses who want to come to this industry, uh, but the problem is they don't have any expertise. Now, out of that 4,000, there's a 1,000 we actually bothered to talk to on the phone. There were uh, Of that, about half of them we brought into our office for an interview, and that's where we ended up getting 23 out the back end. So even when we brought them in to talk to them, we only hired about one out of 20. But we had to put, because I use software that tracks all of this, because as we just talked at the beginning, a lot of people have marketing funnels and things like that for customers. My most important funnel is my recruiting funnel.
1: Mm-hmm. So I got
2: to get, you know, probably 200 applications for every person that's going to come out the bottom to be hired.
1: Interesting. So, so in your, your business six years ago versus today is like a wholesaler's business six years ago versus today. Six years ago, you probably had a lot of potential workers and the marketing would have all been spent on finding customers. And now you've got plenty of customers, but can't find enough people to fulfill all of their needs.
2: Exactly. And so the trick is sort of like once again you talked about wholesaling and wholesaling, we're looking for people with a property and a problem why they can't sell it on retail. If you're looking for a craftsman that you're not going to want to pay full price for, you've got to find a craftsman who's got skills that has some type of problem that doesn't make them employable on their own because they can make a hundred dollars on their own if they've got the whole checklist of skills. If you're going to try to hire them for less than that, they've got to be missing something, whether that's project management or a felony on their background or they can't speak English. If you're going to try to find a discount craftsman, you've got to figure out which set of problems you're willing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Because if they checkbox all of the things that make them a perfect craftsman and a good business owner, they can charge $100 an hour and be out on their own. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, we just got an email in from Hillary, who's in Worthington, Ohio. And I just want to comment how interesting it is that all of our questions today have been from women. And I, I I'm wondering Derek if, if you if you think that women have any sort of natural um, uh, issue with dealing with a mostly male industry which is contracting um,
2: huh I don't know uh, most of my project managers in my office are women actually I find uh, that, They generally are better at managing the details that needs to go with it. Um, The only thing I can imagine is there's some discomfort in, once again, having those difficult conversations and being able to sit down with somebody and call them on their bs of hey listen you need to finish my job <laughs> you know uh, these are i mean I, even with my own employees i have to have these discussions sometimes dude i get it you've got a side gig that i told you you could do you didn't finish my job and i'm the guy who gives you 90 percent of your pay so finish my job mm-hmm. and being willing and able to have those difficult conversations is one of the key things that you have to be able to do if you're going to manage contractors. But when it comes to the skills of managing the dance it takes to pull off these type of jobs, in general, I find the women are much more organized and better at it. The only area I think they might have a problem is in the conflict side of it.
1: Interesting. Uh, Hillary's question is, she says, I'm about to start a rehab and I have a contractor who came very highly recommended from a number of my colleagues. However, he will not sign a contract. What should I do?
2: I wouldn't hire him. I mean, that's just, once again, it just screams bad to me. Um, as a contractor, I want a contract that's clearly outlining what you're expecting and what I'm expecting and making sure we're on the same page. And especially when it comes to a rehab, it's just so important that we write out on paper what we both think is going to happen and agree that it says the same thing. Um, it's just so dangerous. Um, the other advice I would give, because this has happened recently to me, is if someone recommends you someone for something, um, hire them for that thing, but not other things, if that makes sense.
1: Good um, piece of a advice. Great, a great plumber
2: is not great, necessarily a great electrician. Uh, and sometimes there are times where guys are going to stretch to do something they shouldn't do.
1: Very good, Derek. Unfortunately, we are out of time. We do appreciate all of your wisdom and, of course, want to again remind local listeners that they can come see 90 minutes of lots of detail, lots of time for you to ask questions at Cincinnati REA tomorrow night. That's CincinnatiREIA.com, Cincinnati acom We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.